Praise God. How many glad to be in the house of the Lord? How many know there's a blessing? You made your way out to the house of God tonight. God will bless you just making an effort, turning off gun smoke and coming out to the house of the Lord. Amen. God's got something good for you. How many know that? Praise God. He's a good God. Amen. Glory to God. Uh, My title tonight, my title tonight, um, if you keep your eyes on Jesus, you can walk on the water. Probably, uh, I don't know, uh, maybe two months ago now, I don't know, we were meditating in another area and um, that title just came to me. And uh, so I quickly wrote it down, didn't know where it would fit, didn't know what I would do with it. But tonight's the night. (laughs) If you keep your eyes on Jesus, you can walk on the water. Amen. And so uh, this is uh, Hebrews chapter 12 is our key text. Hebrews Hebrews chapter 12 tonight. And... uh, Man, I have studied this out. Uh, New American Standard, of course, is my favorite translation. And then I've studied it out in, in uh, Living Bible, NIV. And, and, um, but settled for tonight uh, with a New Living Translation for you, New Living Translation, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, and uh, the New Living Translation. And um, let's, uh, let's, let's read just a little bit. Let's, uh, let's, let's jump in the pool and, uh, and uh, let's read from the good word of God. Uh, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people, and then you won't become weary and give up. That key verse in those those. Uh, those three verses, that key verse, really verse two, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Uh, Hebrews 12 is, uh, uh, of course, every, every, you know, it's just an awesome chapter. And um, God begins to talk to his people about living the Christian life, living for Christ, living for Christ. Somebody say living for Christ. Yeah, we are all, we, and, and he has set before each of us a race, and your race may look a little different than my race, and someone else's or walk, walk a race of faith with Christ may look a little different. He calls it a race here. He says he compares our Christian walk to a race, and uh, he, he, God wants us to view it that way. In other words, he's, he's suggesting that we view our Christian walk, our, our living for Christ, that we view it like a person running a race. And the person running the race is running that race to achieve a goal, to achieve a, a prize. They're running with a purpose. They're running with an aim in mind. And, and God says, as you think about living for Christ, as you think about living for Jesus, then view it like you're running a race. And he says, and the first thing he says, he said, look, um, th- th- that we um, strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up and run with endurance the race that God has set before. So God's encouraging us to run our race, the race he's set before you, the race he's set before me. He's encouraging us to run that race with endurance. 
In other words, uh, in, you know, from the time that we have received Christ here in this realm, thank God for that. How many remember the day that you received, you received Christ in this realm? And, and from that time, from the time we received Christ until the time that he receives us, if we don't meet him in the air first, amen, if we're not raptured out of this place before he receives us into heaven, if, if, if we're not raptured first and he'll receive us into heaven one day. And the thing about from the time that we have received him to the time that he either receives us in the air or, or, or in heaven, uh, uh, there, is a, uh, there is a race we must run and, um, and it's a long race. And, and many things happen during the course of that race. And, 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 and it's very easy to, to start off like a bullet, to, to start off strong. It's very easy to start off strong in this Christian race. But, but if we're not careful, we can get tripped up. And, and, and not everybody who starts this Christian race finishes well. And, and God, he wants you and I not to just, he wants us to start well. He wants us to start well with the joy and the enthusiasm and the excitement and the vigor to serve the Lord. He wants us to start that way, but he wants us also to finish strong. He wants us to finish the race strong. And there, there are too many people today who are copping out. Too many people who are, who are too tired to run anymore. Too many people who are saying, well, uh, you know, this happened or, or that happened. And I'm, I'm just quitting the race or I'm just going to walk. I'm just going to, I'm just going to walk aimlessly with no goal. I'm tired. Leave me alone. And there are a lot of Christian folk walking like that. And here though, the Bible says, run your race. God has set a race before you. And, 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 and that race requires many things from you and I. And, and, and many of us tomorrow morning, you'll have to get up and go down to the J-O-B. That's, that's part of the race. <laughs> Working in this life, in this realm, is, that's part of running our race for most of us. And, 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 and serving however you serve the Lord in church or whatever, that's part of running a race. And he says, do it with endurance. Do it in a way so that you don't slow down, so that you don't back up, so that you don't give up. And God said, first thing about it is you've got to cast off anything that may be slowing you down. Now, in the mornings, you know, I have uh, developed a a routine. um, And in the mornings now, I go over to Gold's Gym and I take classes in the morning, six days a week. And during the... um, uh, Monday through Friday, my class starts at 5.15. And then uh, on Saturday, we start at 9 a.m. And I'm happy for where I am, but I, I'm not where I want to be yet. But I'm not where I used to be. And I, I do uh, most things today that I could not do a year ago in terms of lifting uh, weights and so uh, each class is different. Three of the classes: Monday, Wednesday, Friday. That's the same. That's a body pump class. That's the same routine. We do about 800 reps with with light weights. 800 reps in there for an, uh, an hour, and then we do a CX works class, and that's sit ups for 30 minutes. Sit ups, crunches, leg lifts. That's for 30 minutes. And so then, uh, all right. So that's Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, Tuesday is something called body attack, and that's mainly aerobics with no weights for an hour. And then Thursday is something called body combat, and that's punching and kickboxing. And in that regard, we do about a thousand punches and kicks in the course of an hour. And so this past Thursday, and I'm saying all that, you know, sometimes people say stuff like that, 
And um, the thing is, you know, when you're talking about exercise, stuff like that, never compare yourself to anybody else. I said a long time ago, something's working for somebody good. I'm happy for you. God bless you. That don't mean I'm running out and doing that. You got done running 20 miles. God bless you. All right. We need to stop comparing ourselves to people. I'm just telling you about me. I'm telling you for a reason. So anyway, so last Thursday, then we had our, our kickboxing class. And so one of the guys, you know, we all know each other pretty well. There's the same core, probably 20, 25 of us. We've gotten to know each other pretty well over the past year. We see each other, you know, uh, at least five days a week. And then some of them I see on Saturday. But uh, one of the guys, and uh, he's, you know, he, we, he, he's, we, we, and we all are creatures of habit. We all like to work out in the same part of the floor. And, uh, and so this one guy, and I've gotten to know him pretty well, and he, uh, he, he just, you know, we'll, sometimes we'll call out encouragement to one another. So if he sees me and it don't look like I'm working hard enough, he'll just yell out, come on, Bill. I mean, one time he yelled out, he yelled out, uh, <laughs> he turned around in class and said, uh, this feels good, doesn't it? Don't, doesn't it just feel good doing this? I said, man, are you crazy? You done lost your mind. Ain't nothing feel good about it. Except in the end when we quit, when they said the class is over, that felt great. <laughs> He's at a different level. Anyway, so, what I so he would so he, we'll call out encouragement. So I'll, you know, I'll call his name and say, come on, man, pick it up. Sometimes we're just grunting in the floor in our own pool of our own sweat. And we just encourage one another. And so uh, anyway, he wasn't punching like he, like he normally is. I said, come on, man. And um, so afterwards, we got done and he said, man, I had these weighted gloves on today. And he said, I couldn't punch like I normally punch. My arms were so heavy. He said, after we did about 25 punches, I, I, he said, man, my arms he said, just felt like bricks. And I said, oh, that explains why you weren't punching like, like you normally. We'd normally, you know, his kick seemed hard, but his punch, you know, y'all could tell he's not, you know. And so uh, he said, yeah, I got these weighted gloves on. And see right here in, in Hebrews chapter 2, uh, chapter 12, God said, take every weight that you're carrying off of you. Because that will slow you down in your Christian walk. You weren't intended to be carrying a whole bunch of weight on you because this race is a race that requires endurance. This Christian walk, this Christian life is a race that requires strength. This Christian life, this Christian walk is a race that requires all of our energy, all of our exuberance. And God said, look, if you're carrying any extra weight, you've got to get rid of that. And he lists out plainly and bluntly the first weight that we ought to get rid of. And he says, that's sin. When we have, as believers, we have unconfessed sin or known sin in our life, then we've got to repent. We've got to get rid of that. In other words, he's saying, don't just keep carrying around a load, a weight of unconfessed sin. Why? We won't be able to run our life, our, our race well. We won't be able to endure to the end well. And so he says uh, uh, to strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Verse two, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion. I like that. 
keep our eyes on Jesus, the champion. And uh, if we're going to be successful, and I want to make my, my first point is this, look at Jesus. Look. Look at what? Look at Jesus. That's our admonition, these first three verses. Look at Jesus. I'm going to show you my, uh, my hand tonight. My, I'm going to show you my hand and uh, give you my other points while, right, right now. But our first point is look at Jesus. The second point we're going to make tonight, learn from the Father. Verses 4 through 17. Those first three verses, look at Jesus. They admonish us to look at Jesus. Uh, learn from the Father, second point, verses 4 through 17. And the last point tonight, um, listen before it's too late. That's verses 18 through 29. Listen before it's too late. So, so back to that first point, look at Jesus. Now why, does, now, why is God telling us to look at Jesus? Well, number one, because he is the perfect example. He is our champion. And the Bible says that we should look at him. And not only do we look at, look at our champion who initiates and perfects our faith, verse 2, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured. Look at that. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he's seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Think of all the hostility, verse 3. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people, and then you won't become weary and give up. The Bible says we've got to, first of all, look at Jesus. We've got to fix our eyes at Jesus. Now, when it says look at Jesus there, uh, or keeping our eyes on Jesus, uh, in the Holman Christian Standard Bible, it says keeping our eyes on Jesus. New Living says keeping our eyes on Jesus. New American Standard says fixing our eyes on Jesus, NIV fixing our eyes on Jesus, New King James keeping, keep your eyes on him, and then finally uh, Living Bible looking unto Jesus. But I like that New American Standard fixing our eyes on Jesus, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Why? Because it implies that we have to do something. Uh, we have to focus on something. We have to make sure that we are focusing on him. It literally means to focus on something on him so strongly that we don't become distracted by other things around us. Now, that's a good point. That we are to focus on Jesus, on his example that he set. So strong that things around us don't distract us. Now, you remember over in Matthew 14 when Peter was, uh, Jesus came walking on the water and the disciples, they thought they saw a ghost or whatever and Peter yelled out from the boat when they saw it was Jesus. Lord, if it's you, let me come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come on. And you remember Peter got out of the boat and he started walking and what happened? You know what happened. The waves hit him when he got out of that boat. When he got out of the boat, he was focused on Jesus and he was undistracted, but then a wave hit him. And I'm sure that salty water reminded him, you are outside the boat. And the laws of gravity and buoyancy are going to take effect. The wind hit him. So between the wind and, and the waves and all that crashed upon him, it broke his focus from Jesus. And when it broke his focus, what happened? He went down, down, down. Until Jesus mercifully grabbed him and picked him up. And aren't you glad we serve that kind of Lord? He's a merciful God. And when we start sinking, he'll reach out and grab us and pick us up. I said, that's a good benefit. 
He could have said, well, go on and drown, you old faithless thing. He could have let any of us drown any moment we didn't have faith about something. He could have just let us drown, but he doesn't. He reached right down and he's picked me up many times and he's picked you out of that same water many times. We always give Peter a hard time, but he done picked us up out of the water many times when we was going down. We was going down and he grabbed us. And so the real, the real key, the real, the real test here is that we have to look at Jesus. He is our example. And it's not something God is going to do for us. It's something we have to do ourselves. And we have to focus so strongly. And listen, and there are so many things that can break our focus, so many things that can break our focus. Let me tell you three things not to focus on. Don't waste your time focusing on people. Because sometimes they meant to and sometimes they didn't. But whether they, they meant it or whether they didn't, people always let us down. People are people. And, and if you get your eyes on people and get your eyes off of Jesus, you'll start to sink. I said, you won't be running your race effectively. You'll be so distracted, you'll be going down, down, down. Looking at a man, looking at a woman, looking at a person. Get your eyes off of people and get your eyes back on Jesus. Somebody said, yeah, but that person hurt me. Okay, that's not justifiable that the person hurt you, but it's not justifiable that you took your eyes off Jesus when they did that. I said, I wish I had a bigger amen. Get your eyes off of that person. That person ain't got no control over you. At least you shouldn't give them control over you. And see, the thing about it is, if Peter had stayed focused on the Lord, he would have kept right on walking on the water. And, 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 and so people, that's the first thing. Don't focus on people. It'll get your eyes off of Jesus just like you snapped your finger. Don't focus on people. The second thing, don't focus, don't focus, don't focus on your problem. Whatever, whatever challenge you face, whatever problem you face, whatever your Goliath is, don't focus on that. Focus on the greater one who's on the inside of you. Focus on the God who's more than enough. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. I said, I wish I had a bigger amen than that. Don't focus on the person. Don't focus on the problem. Listen, thirdly, don't focus on the pain. You say, brother, I'm wounded and I'm hurting and I'm going through. And a lot of times when people uh, get wounded and, and, and they're hurting, uh, uh, a lot of times they, they, they stop running their race. Something hurts you. And one of the first thing people do when, when they get hurt, uh, they, they stop going to church. And the and, and, and first thing that happened when people get hurt, their, their, buyer, their Bible develops a layer of dust that wasn't there before. Uh, the first thing they do when pe- people get hurt, they, they watch it more gun smoke than they are reading Bible. People find that I, I, don't need to go, I don't need to go to Bible study. I'm going to skip Bible study. I don't need to go to school of Bible. I don't, I don't need to go to church. When, when people get hurt, they, they slow down. Instead of walking effectively in their walk for Christ, they, they get wishy-washy. They all over the road, focusing on how they're hurt. But if you can somehow stop focusing on your pain and get your eyes on Jesus, even in the midst of your pain, now at workout and workout class, one of our instructors, his name Jason. He is a brutal man. And Jason put some stuff on us. 
and you're already down there, you done done the last crunch that you believe you can do. And then he's yelling from the front, you are not in pain. I've, I've yelled out many times, oh, I got news for you, I am in pain. <laughs> he always says, ignore it, just ignore it, just ignore it. You are not tired. I say, yes, I am tired. He says, ignore it. Look past it. We'll be done with it before you know it. If you focus in on how tired you are, if you focus in on how weary you are, if you focus in on the pain, then you're, gonna, you're not going to complete the exercises. And he draws our attention away from us. And he's always saying, look up here, look up here, look up here. Stop focusing on you. Stop thinking about you. And I have found when I will keep my eyes off of me, off the puddle of sweat before me, I can make it through. And tonight there is a clarion call, a clarion call in the house tonight. To refocus your attention upon Jesus. Something has distracted you. Somebody has distracted you. Some problem has distracted you. And the Lord is calling you to get back to the race. To focus on what he's called you to do. If you break your focus and if you, and then, you know, and it's just, you know, if it's not people or problems or pain, sometimes you look around the devil say, boo. <laughs> and if we're not careful, we let the devil distract us. Don't waste 10 seconds arguing with the devil. Don't waste 10 seconds talking to the devil. Jesus told us to do what pastor taught today. Command him and tell him where to go in the name of Jesus. Don't sit there having no long conversations with Satan. He sent you some ignorant thought. Listen, cast it down. I said, I wish I had a bigger amen. amen. I said, some, inner, some, some ignorant thought from the devil came to your mind. Cast that thing down and keep on stepping. Get your mind back on the Lord. I wish I had a bigger amen than that. Amen. When our focus is broken, whether through people or the problem or the pain, then we become acutely aware of fear in our life. When our focus is broken and our eyes are off of the Lord, we become aware of worry and trouble. When our focus is broken and, and our eyes are off of Jesus, we become acutely aware of ourselves. Our own inabilities seem to come to the forefront. And so Psalm 25 verse 14 and 15, the Bible says the secret of the Lord is to those who fear him and he will make them know his covenant. My eyes are continually toward the Lord for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Our job is to keep our eyes on the Lord. His job is to keep our feet out of the net. I wish I had a bigger amen than that. Secondly, 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 listen, learn from the father. Learn from the father. Look. Who are we looking at? We're looking at Jesus. Don't compare yourself to another man, to another woman. Look at Jesus. Look at the Lord. Look at what he had to endure. Look at what he had to put up with, the foolishness Jesus had to put up with from people. You think Jesus didn't know something about people and about problems and, and circumstances? 
Jesus, listen, he is the creator. You ever read for Colossians 1.18? He's the creator. And the creator came to his own creation. And the creation spit on the creator. The, the, the creation slapped the, the creator. The, 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 the creation beat the creator all night long. The, the, creation, uh, the creation speared him and crowned him with those thorns and, and hung him on a cross, nailed him to the cross. He endured all of that nonsense from the creation. But he kept his eyes on the Father. And he was elevated to the right hand of the Father. And he completed his race. And he ran his race with endurance. And he finished the job. See, one day we're all going to appear before the Lord. And thank God we're not appearing before any great white throne judgment. Anybody glad about that? As Christians, we ain't going to the great white throne judgment. We're going to the judgment seat of Christ. But we all want the same thing. We all want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. You ran your race well. When trials were thrown in front of you, when obstacles came your way, when the wind blew and howled, you stood your course. You kept your eyes on me. We all want to hear that. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Secondly, learn from the Father. Verses 4 through 17, learn from the Father. All of you have not yet given your lives. This is verse 4. After all, I'm sorry, after all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. Verse 5, and have forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as children. He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those that he loves. Uh, Verse 7, as you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Everybody say divine discipline. Yeah. Whoever heard of a child who was never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all his children, it means that you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the father of spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us, so that we might share his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterwards, there'll be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. You know, God, the second point is learn from the Father. Listen, our Father, as we run our race, now our Father, he is the ultimate Father. Our Heavenly Father is the ultimate Father. As a matter of fact, the Bible says we cry out to him, Abba, Daddy. He's our Father God. But the Bible says here he disciplines us. Now we've learned, thank God, thank God we've learned through proper doctrine and the word of God, we've learned now God's not disciplining anybody with sickness and disease. That bad doctrine used to run rampant through the church. Somebody said, well, I got sick and I learned something. You can learn something. You can learn. But thank God, if you learned something, you you were sick, you learned something. Praise God for that. But that don't mean that God put that on you. I said, I wish I had a bigger amen than that. 
Just want to be clear as we're speaking. Because we can go into a ditch on either side of this. So on one side of Christendom, the church went into a ditch because they assumed that God was disciplining his sons and daughters with sickness and disease and nothing further from the truth. Would you do that? I know I wouldn't do that to any of my kids. Now, a sadistic, abusive, you know, uh, father might do something like that, but a father in his right mind would never do something like that. And God is our ultimate father. He would never do that. But now on the other hand, sometimes the church throw out the baby in the bathwater run into a ditch on the other side and assume God doesn't discipline his kids at all. And that's not right. We are all his sons and daughters individually. And as we run this race, God will challenge us. God will help us. God will sometimes to grow and stretch our faith. God will sometimes make us uncomfortable. I said, I wish I had an amen. Can't get lost all my amens. And God will also discipline you and I. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you what his rod is. I'll tell you his primary, his rod is his word. I said, I wish I had a bigger amen than that. And have you ever seen a child who has not, who grown up with no discipline? That's an ugly sight. But, but when somebody is disciplined, what happens? They grow, they develop, they mature. That's what's happening to me. I got a long way to go in my exercise class. But what's happening is I'm, I'm getting stronger. I'm stronger than I was a year ago. I'm, strong, I'm stronger than I was a month ago. You understand what I'm saying? The dis- now, now, just like you said there, no discipline for the moment seems to be joyous, but, uh, uh, King James, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yieldeth, yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who are disciplined thereby. And so at the time when you're going through it, it don't always feel good. Because through his word, God will correct you and I. Through his word, he will admonish us. Through his word, he will instruct us to make adjustments. And cor- I wish I had an amen. I can't get no amen in here. Through his word, he will tell us when we're doing wrong. We, we had a prideful thought and God, through his word, he'll correct that. And, and God, he'll call us to humble ourselves. I said, I wish I had a bigger amen. And then uh, somebody's motive wasn't right, but God, he will check you on that. And you can fool everybody else in the house, but you cannot fool Father God. He sees it all. And so in love, in love, he will, he, will, he, will, he will cause us to make adjustments. He will discipline you and I so that we make adjustments. Why? So that we grow. So that we develop. So that we mature. And he says, if you cast off that process, you're not even his child if you cast that process off. Because we all have to go through that. It's a growth process. But the growth process will build in you and I a great endurance. And if we get that endurance, we won't be able to break our focus. And we will run our Christian walk, our Christian race, strong until the end. And we won't be those who started strong but finished weak. We'll be those who started strong and finished strong. But you see, we've got to learn from the Father. We've got to listen to the Father. It's why we've got to have our head in the book. Because when we read his word, the word is your father speaking to you personally. The word is the father God speaking directly to you. And then when you read this word, the Holy Ghost on the inside will grab something from this word and apply it to something in your life, something in your thoughts. 
And then he'll say, make that adjustment. And when we learn to do that, then we begin to grow. We begin to develop strength. Where we were weak, we start to get strong. We've got to learn. We've got to learn from the Father. We've got to look at Jesus, uh, verses 1 through 3. We've got to learn from the Father, verses 4 through 17. Finally, we've got to listen before it's too late. We've got to listen before it's too late. Look at verse 25. Verse 25, be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who's speaking. And what he says there is he says, Israel, Israel, when they first were introduced to God, uh, they did so at Mount Sinai. Moses brought them over to the mountain. And because there was no mediator, um, Moses was, uh, you couldn't call him a mediator. He was just, he was a man. He was, uh, he was their leader. But as a man, he had a sinful life too. And so he couldn't be a proper mediator. He prayed for them. He stood in the gap for them. He led them, uh, but, but he wasn't until Christ came on the scene. Uh, and so the people were introduced to God at Mount Sinai and, and, God, and God came down on a mountain and he said, this is holy before the Lord. And if even, a ma- if even an animal touches this mountain, then you'll have, to, you'll have to stone it to death. Anybody who touches the mountain will die. And the people heard uh, the voice of God and the trumpet and, and the flashes of lightning, and the people were afraid. And Moses, the Bible said Moses himself was afraid. And the people told Moses, you talk to him. We don't even want to talk to God. He, he's a holy God. We are a sinful people, and there's nothing between us and him. And you, you, you talk to him. We don't want to hear his voice no more. And they were afraid. There was no mediator. Oh, but then came that glorious day, that glorious day when God's plan for man came into fruition and the Lord Jesus Christ assumed that human body. He humbled himself and took on that robe of flesh. And then he came into this earth realm and he became a mediator for you and I. He became the one who would stand between holy God and sinful man. And oh, when he accomplished his work, thank God he ran his race and he ran the race well. Thank God he finished the race and he finished it strong. And when he, on the cross, when he said, it is finished, and, and when he hung his head and, and died, let me tell you this, that curtain in the temple was torn into. And God was announcing for all mankind that now we've got a mediator between me and my man. We've got a mediator who's taken on the sins of my man. I could punish that mediator. I could take out my pain, my, uh, my frustration, my anger on, on the mediator, and I didn't have to take it out on my people. I will let him pay the complete price. Though he was sinless, though he did nothing, though he was innocent, he took, he took your sins and my sins and let them nail him to a cross. And they didn't take his life. He laid his life down. He said, I could call my father right now and have 10 legions of angels at my side. I'm laying my life down. I'm running a race. I've got people in mind. I've got individuals in mind. He had you in mind. And so we have a mediator. And now we live in a glorious day. Now we have access to the Father. 
Now we can go right into the throne room. Now we have righteousness. Now we can go, we can use the name and the word and now we've been grafted in as sons and and daughters and God's not mad. Now we've been welcomed as sons. Come boldly with your head up. A mediator. And so listen before it's too late. Verse 25, be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who's speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, will I shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. And since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us, th- let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe, for our God is a devouring fire. Let me say this as we close. Listen before it's too late. As God disciplines us, you might be here tonight. You may have gotten yourself in a situation Maybe one time you were walking with Christ and now you're not walking with him. And the Lord, he's trying to get your attention. He's trying to woo you back. And I love this about the Lord. The Bible says it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And that's because we have a mediator. When Israel faced God on that mountain, they faced the wrath of God without that mediator. That's why they were so afraid. That's why they were so cautious. Holy God, sinful man. But you might be here and you, maybe you're not living the way you know you should. You're not, you've, you've, you've gotten off track. You, God set out a race for you and you're not even running that race. You're doing your own thing. You've established yourself on the throne of your life. And God is calling. Listen before it's too late. The Bible says when he speaks from heaven, listen before it's too late. I'm just a man. I, 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 I am speaking. But through me, there is the Father God is speaking. And he's speaking to somebody's heart in here. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Now, you, you know God's talking to you. He's speaking to you. You know the Lord's talking to you. Listen before it's too late. Let God help you. Let me pray for you. Let me see your hand. Lift your hand. Bill, pray for me. Brother Bill, pray for me. Yeah, I see your hand. Yeah, I see your hand. Pray for me. I want to listen before it's too late. I want to listen before it's too late. I need God's help. I need God's help. Yep, I see you. I need God's help. I need God's help. God's going to help you. His kindness, his kindness, his kindness, his kindness leads us to repentance. But if you reject his kindness and reject his kindness and reject his kindness, eventually you'll end up, you'll wind up in his judgment. It doesn't mean he doesn't love you. I want you to do something for me. I'm going to do just what I told you. I want to pray for you. God's, God's trying to help you. Listen before it's too late. He's trying to help you. Listen before it's too late. Look, learn, listen. You just raised your hand. I want you to boldly stand up on your feet. I want you to just make your way out of that aisle. I want you to come down here and let me pray for you. God's going to help you. Just, bold, just stand up on your feet. Don't worry about people. Don't let people distract you. Just boldly stand up. Just come right down here. Let me pray for you. Oh, God's going to help you. God's going to help you. 
Look, learn, listen. God's going to help you. God bless you. God's going to help you. God bless you. God bless you. Praise God. He's going to help you. God's here to help you. Praise God. Praise God. Look. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Look. Praise God. Learn. Praise God. Listen. Listen now. Listen before it's too late. Come on. Let God help you. Come on down here. Let God help you. Let God help you. Don't you be embarrassed. We're one family. We're just one family in God. Let him help you. Let him help you. Let him help you. Let him help you. Praise God. Praise God. Let him help you. He's trying to help you. God's got so many good things. And sometimes things distract us. Things can break our focus. But God's going to help us get right back on track. Get right back in the race. Get right back in the race. Just want you to lift one hand to God. Lift one hand to the Lord. Because you're just saying, my help comes from you, Father. I'm just a man, but, but I know, but listen, we're, we're looking unto God. He's your helper tonight. Say this prayer out loud after me. And in the congregation, say it as well. Father, I come to you now in the mighty name of Jesus. And Father, you see my life. So I just submit myself to you. Asking you to forgive me for everything I've done wrong. Father God, something has broken my focus. Something has, I've allowed something to hinder my race. But tonight I want to reestablish and firmly focus on Jesus and run the race with endurance that you have set before me. So help me, Father, to forget the past, to forget mistakes, to forget about people, to forget about problems, to forget about everything that has hindered or distracted me and to focus solely on you. Make me that person you want me to be and I will follow you, live for you and run my race with joy in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Now lift your other hand and let's just worship him and praise him because he's not a liar. He just did that for you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. You're helping your people. Oh, thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, may they never be the same. Never the same. Oh, Father God, may they never be the same. Never the same. May your mighty power envelop every single one of them, Father. Melt them in your presence in the name of Jesus. Thank you for it. Oh, glory be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Where's our prayer room? My prayer room, folks. Uh, down here, coming down here is our prayer room uh, folks, and they're going to pray with you guys. Make sure that you get everything you came for. Tonight is a special night in your life. Tonight is a new beginning. Tonight is a point of turnaround. Tonight will be a point you recognize that you made a turn and that God did something phenomenal in you. And you'll be able to point to tonight and say that started happening after I went forward, after I made that adjustment, after I readjusted my life to Christ. This is Brother Paul. He's our prayer room leader. Just want you to go with Paul. They're not going to keep you long. We're going to pray with you. Make sure you get everything that you came for. I want you to go with Paul just for a few moments and let them make sure they pray with you about everything individually. Amen. Just go right with them. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. 
Glory to God. Lift your hands toward them. Father, thank you for helping your people tonight. Thank you, Father. May their lives never be the same. May tonight be a clear line of demarcation. Oh, of a great turnaround in their life. And may the Holy Ghost envelop them, empower them, and so fill them that their lives be almost unrecognizable. Thank you for helping them. Whatever they need in there, the fullness of your spirit, health and healing, strength, direction, guidance, whatever the need is, thank you for helping them tonight. Oh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You didn't come down here, but something's gotten your focus off of the Lord. And you're still living for God. Close your eyes just one more second. I know we've got to go. You're still living for the Lord. Something has broken your focus. Maybe it was a person, somebody did something to you, some problem, something that happened in your life. And you don't have that same enthusiasm, that same vigor. I'm not asking you to come down here. I'm asking you to be honest with God. Lift, lift one hand to him. Just lift, just let me see your hand. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, you can put your hands down. Yeah. Father, you see honest hands, honest hearts. And whatever has broken focus, whatever has helped people to break their focus now, we refocus our attention on you. We get our eyes just squarely over on Jesus. Glory be to God. Undistracted. Should the wrong thoughts come, we'll cast them down. Wrong people come, we'll keep on stepping. Problems arise, we'll focus on the problem solver. So we just look to you down on the inside. You're the greater one, the greater one, the greater one. And you live on the inside. And so we look to you with a reestablished focus. We look, we learn, we listen. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that's it, my friend. God bless you tonight. Thank you so much for coming. If it was your first time here with us tonight at, uh, at Rama, we're so glad you came. And uh, we got a great gift for you. We want to just bless you. And um, so um, if you would go with our connection team workers right now, they're going to take you to a place. They're not going to keep you long. They're just going to give you a good gift. And if you would just get up right now and go with our connection team workers, you'll, notify, you'll notice them in the blue shirts. We just want to give you a good gift. Um, uh, church family, let's just thank these folks who came, who came tonight. Let's thank them one more time. We're just a friendly, friendly church, family church. So, um, well, uh, Father, now bless us as we go. Keep us all safe until we see one another again. We just entrust ourselves to you and keep our focus strongly on Jesus. And we look at Jesus and we learn from our Father and we listen before it's too late. Thank you, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, my friends, you are dismissed. We'll see you right here Wednesday night, Hour of Power. God bless you.